jumping on place for this subject that we have before us tonight. We'll take most of it from the story and the life and the family of the prodigal and his brother. But I want you to look at Ephesians uh, 6 and 4, and we're going to read this verse tonight. I'm going to read it out loud, then I want you to read it with me, and we're going to pray. Look at the 6-4. I'll read it, then I'll come back to you. Notice what it says in verse 1. Children, you are to do right and obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You are to honor your father and your mother. You are to take care of them. You are to do what you can to be a blessing to them, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Look at what a promise there is if you take care uh, and respect and obey the authority God put over you. Verse 4, he says, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition. Now, nurturing just simply means loving and caring for them. Admonition means put a belt on them when they need it. That's what it means in the Greek. Take your belt off and deal with them if you have to. I think there's a lot of things you can do to keep that from happening, but you don't want, you, you certainly don't want to be, and I can tell by the way I said that, you really received it. That's why we got some of the problems we got is because we're believing this new age stuff that is nowhere near the Word of God. Don't ever abuse, but don't ever abandon. Are you listening? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Disciplining in anger. The problem is not the discipline. The problem is when we provoke our children to wrath. That means anger, bitterness, or evil. Now, Father, I ask you to help us tonight to be able uh, to do that which would honor and bless and give uh, glory unto God. Now, the task before us, Lord, is great because it's not our kind of preaching. The task before us is difficult because it's not our kind of task. What I've got to do here tonight, Lord, is pastoral ministry, and um, it needs to be said, it needs to be explained and expounded on, but God, that, that still doesn't make it my forte. This is not my cup of tea. But I ask you tonight to help me to help these folks with children and to help these families in this church to see God's help and strength in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen, and you can be seated. I did not come back and let you read it, did I? i tell you what, just remain right where you are and read that verse out loud with me. Now notice it doesn't say anything about mothers. You know why? Because daddy is 150% responsible to make sure that a child is dealt with in the nurture and the admonition and not with malice wrath. And you say, well, what if the mother does that? Then daddy is responsible for the birth. He deals with mother. Now, that went over like a balloon, but it's exactly right. You may not, you, you say, <laughs> you just don't understand what I'm dealing with. Well, it doesn't change the Bible because you've gotten a mess. You see? That's why we got the mess we got. We got one set of standards for Saturday. We got about, oh yeah, we'll run over and believe this about eight hours. But boy, I tell you what, I'm going to leave it down because tomorrow I've got to deal with it once you trade. All right? 
you need to make sure that you've got a seven-day prophecy in your, in your life. Read it with me. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You are to nurture them, that means to teach them. And you are to admonish them when they will not learn. All right. Tonight we're going to talk about um, this question, or this particular subject. The most harmful thing you can do in raising a child. Um, and the Bible, I think, in this verse, is absolutely dead on what that particular thing is. And it's this. It is dealing with your children in anger, dealing with your children in frust- and out of frustration, and dealing with your children out of bitterness and malice toward them in discipline. I think the worst thing you'll ever... Are you listening now? I said the worst thing. The worst thing that you ever do to your child is is um, uh, not give them too much money. The worst thing you can do is not take them to church. Three times a week, it'll about warp their psyche, but they'll make it. All right? The, the worst thing you can do to your child... It's not put it in daycare. No, and, and the worst thing you do to your child is not have both parents working. It's not the best thing, but it's, it's a far cry from the worst thing you can do for them or to them. The worst thing you can do is in that verse of Scripture. It is when you with malice and wrath cause your children to be provoked by your attitude and actions to do wrong. When my, now, let me say something before we get started. Every one of us in here has done this. I want everybody in here to raise your hand. How many of y'all have done this? Look at that. Everybody. We all have. <laughs> if you, I, can get you, I can get you involved. If you are here and you've ever had any relationship in child rearing, you know that you've made every mistake you can make. I don't care if you've had it a week, you've done half of them. I made more mistakes in trying to rear children than I have in pastor and church. I made more mistakes in trying to nurture and admonish the children God put in our house than I have in pastoring for these uh, over 32 years in two churches. I have, I have caused myself probably in some cases immeasurable harm with this verse of Scripture. God has been very good to me. Everybody in here, raise your hand. How many of y'all God's been good to you? Amen. He's been wonderful and merciful to go behind me and cover my tracks in many situations. So now, my, my whole premise tonight is not to come here and tell you how sorry a parent you are. Because... I am on the list with you when it comes to sorry. I promise you, my children can stand up and testify that that is the case. I'm not here to tell you what's right and what's wrong. I'm not even here to judge you. That's not my job at all. I want to do what I can to try to help us together. Uh, Grandparents, you can have a great influence in what I'm going to talk to you about for the next just very few minutes. You can listen tonight and get something out. The mistakes you made, and how many, all of you raise your hand. Everybody. How many of you ever made mistakes with your children? 
Amen. You, you, the mistakes you make. You can, you can absolutely fix them with your grandchildren to the point that you can start praying and watch your children treat your grandchildren different than you treated your children. You see? And prayer works in this thing. Now, when a child is provoked by his daddy, by provoked, I mean uh, he's on the couch, he's reading the paper, the child's doing something that he don't like, and he tells him three or four times to stop, and mama comes in there and says, why the slaps the paper and says, why don't you do something with that child? And he jumps up mad now because she kicked him. Mad about it, he jumps up and he grabs that child and begins to beat on it or begins to drag it around like a rag doll or begins to talk to it like it's worse than a dog. What is he doing to that child? He's provoking that child to wrongdoing. He's causing that child to act wrong toward his parents. And before it's over, as he grows up, it's going to cost him. Mark it down, it's going to cost him. Now there's four areas, I'm going to call them stages. Four stages that every one of us need to be mindful of tonight in this particular situation we're talking about. The most harmful thing you can do in raising a child. Dealing with it out of anger instead of out of nurturing and uh, admonishing. You folks that don't have children, take a sack lunch home with you. You folks that are not married, or you will be, and you will have offspring, you will have children, if the Lord tarries, you'll have a family probably, and you need to understand some of this. I want you to look at the first word that I'm going to put up here. The word resentment. Whenever you cause a child uh, to, out of frustration, and out of hostility, and out of selfish madness. You move on to that child and you begin to correct that child in a negative way and you begin to get mad and frustrated and, and just absolutely causing havoc with that child's personality and that whole child's makeup. What's going to happen is that child is going to resent the very presence that you exude in his life before it's over. This happens with the prodigal son, Luke 15 and 27. The elder brother, he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Verse 29. The young elder brother who stayed home answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress thy thee uh, at any time thy commandment, which I think that's a lie. He's, 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 trumped, he's, he's trumped the conversation there. And yet, thou gave us, never gave us me a kid or a goat that I might make merry with my friends. But he has killed the fatted calf for his brother. Now, what do you sense in this boy's life? And what do you sense in this prodigal household that is very prevalent with these boys? The one thing you're going to notice is resentment. He resents the very existence. He should have been happy his brother had come back, but he resented the fact that he left like he did. He resented the fact that he came home, and he really resented the fatted calf when he never had had goat. Do you understand what I'm saying? Resentment is something that the child will develop 
towards you if you allow that child to be um, hollered at, abused verbally, or slapped around because it's convenient and it's something that you need to do, you think, because uh, of that child's attitude. Now, this, this usually starts taking place at, at about six, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, from six until about 12 years old. Resentment will start coming. Why? The child is growing in itself and it's experiencing problems it don't like. The child finds itself thinking things and being taught things in the public that's not right and not good for it, but it comes home and it don't understand why it thinks like it thinks and it don't understand why it acts like it acts. It's already got a boatload of problems. And what happens? Instead of understanding the child, daddy begins to pick and nitpick or mama begins to assault that child because of his weaknesses. Yesterday, I was in a fast food place. Uh, there was a, a man and a woman, and uh, you could barely tell she was a woman. You could barely tell he was a man. He was a male. And right across from him was a boy about, uh, oh, I guess he was probably, I'm going to guess 15, and a girl about 16 or 17 sitting there. The boy had a straw in his hand. He had finished his meal, and uh, Gonzo was still eating hers. And, uh, and, and that, that other person with her. And he was, he was flipping that straw with his finger. Trying, he was just, just trying to kill time till they got through, which was taking a while. And, and he was flipping the straw, and it touched, I, I was watching this situation because I had heard a couple of remarks, and I'm nosy. And what pe watching people is a, it ought to be an Olympic sport, as far as I'm concerned. He's flipping that stuff. It touched the table maybe three times. His mother grabbed the table, and I mean with her veins, I reckon it was his mother, the veins in her neck looked like four-inch pipes. She began to look at him out of her eyes. She couldn't even say nothing. She was so mad. And when she did, all 15 people in there heard her explode and said, Will you please stop? That boy immediately looked at the city that was looking at him. His eyes dropped. His head dropped. The straw dropped. And he was crushed. I wanted to walk over there. <laughs> Preach, brother. Now, I wouldn't say that, but Brother Kirkland did. <laughs> doesn't, it, doesn't it absolutely make your blood boil when you see that kind of thing? This is just a kid. He's already got enough problems he's dealing with, and now he's got to have this woman all over him over three taps of a straw on a table. Thank God he's not in jail. Thank God he wasn't raping somebody in a dark corner of California somewhere. Thank God all he was guilty of was straw fucking. 
And he said something back under his breath. I couldn't even hear it. And then she slapped him. She hit him in the face with her hand. woman had tattoos all over. And she slapped that child in public. I don't care what the boy needed. I don't care what the boy should have gotten. I don't know what, and nor do I care what the boy had done. He did not do anything that I've seen that was even relatively equal to the punishment and the shame she put him through. He had on a Georgia bulldog shirt, and I, 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 they got up and went with taking the trash, and I looked over at him. I said, son, your team won today, didn't he? He said, um, yeah. And he was still hanging his head because he was embarrassed that I, I was sitting one table over. I mean, just close to him. And uh, he, was, he was so embarrassed that people seen it. But, you know, that wasn't the, the big deal. I got in my car and was gone and didn't think about it again until I was praying today. But that little boy is living with that resentment tonight. Now, what parent has not been guilty of something akin to that? But what parent wants to make that a lifestyle? Not a Christian. Not a Bible parent. And not a parent that really loves the child. Resentment. Brother Steve, I remember one time, it was almost like, Brother Steve, believe it or not, he... uh, he won't even watch Little House because he'll cry. Am I right? I mean, he and I, he and I both have to have a squeegee mop just to watch Little House, especially when Mary went blind. God, I just like the guys. I turned it to Andy Griffith. Watch Barney shoot his foot off. But I, I remember it was a black and white movie. Years and years and years ago. Little old boy was about seven or eight. He won't like this. Seven or eight. And he was at school and he wouldn't ride the bus home. He would run home because he wet the bed and his mother would hang his sheet out of his bedroom window. And when the bus went by, they'd all laugh at him. And he would run home to beat the bus to pull that sheet out of the window because he was so embarrassed that they would know he wet the bed. I wanted to go in that TV and, yeah, stay right with me there, Brother Roger. He became an Olympic runner out of that situation and ran the mile in the Olympics in years gone by, but he could beat the school bus home in his early teen years, and and because of that sheet hanging in that window and his resentment. The whole story was built around the relationship that he didn't have with his mama over that situation. What a tragedy it is, that resentment. You never did anything for me, the prodigal's brother said. You didn't even kill a goat, and now you're going to kill a calf? I resent that. I'm going to tell you something about the prodigal son story. There's a lot more in that story than it damn that is written. I know the boy left, and I know Sal Great stayed, but I want to tell you something. Papa wasn't all Papa ought to be in either. 
because I smell resentment in this situation. Now let me ask you something. Tonight in this service, is there, is there a place on this altar we can get and we can pray in two, different, in, in two directions? Number one, Lord, forgive me where I have built resentment in the lives of my children. There have been times I've had to take that boy, that girl, and that other boy that I have, I have had to take them and set them down and apologize for the things I said to them that I said when I was mad. While I pastored this church, I had to do it. I have come in this pulpit with that on my conscience and have to deal with it when I get through preaching because the Holy Ghost would body slam me while I was preaching. Resentment. I don't care what it costs. The best thing in the world you can do if you've committed it, ask God to forgive you. And ask your children to forgive you. Because if you do not, you are going to grow up as a grandparent. And oh, there's nothing like grandchildren. They're better than puppies. Every time I go somewhere to preach, how many you got? Six. Six. Oh, we've only got one. I just love six to death. I said I want to do mine the same way. <laughs> the six. Oh, yeah. They just go all. And I got pictures of them, you know. And, they want to see them, and we, we have a big... They're, they're wonderful, but you don't want them to repeat your sin. You don't want your children continuing the cycle of resentment because you exuded that on them. Break it. Repent. And let your son or daughter or both rear their children and pray that God will help them. Oh, my goodness, a little old boy is 10 or 12 in this generation, in this, in this, in this set of society rules that we have for children. It's hard and difficult for a little old boy to get his daddy's approval anyway, but it's double hard when all he does is cause resentment in that little old boy's life. If you, if you women are living with a man, or you, some of you men's living with a woman, or there's a couple that uh, both are having difficulty and heartache with this. You ought to just come tonight and ask God to help you and ask God to fire-baptize your spirit on this stuff and help us not discipline our children to where resentment is the outcome of it. All right? Number two, notice this word, rejection. Now, this is, this is stages. Let me say something about resentment. I found this, and most of this I'm just telling you out of experience and out of the story. But if you have a child who resents you, you can get his heart back. Because resentment is something he's going to face all through his life. And resentment is something that that child will very eagerly let you get right with him about it. Most children love it when the dad say, Honey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. And I certainly shouldn't have whipped you like I did. And I should not have ever disciplined you in that frame of mind. I'm sorry, honey. Come here. And you pray that Daddy will be better at this than he was in this situation. Boy, I'll tell you what. That'll light a little old boy's eyes up. That'll make a little old girl think, Praise God. And that's what we need. 
But what do we do more than not, but we feel ashamed and we feel bad and we don't say nothing? Tell them. When, 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 when resentment is present, you can, you can get them back. But now watch out. Every stage from here on becomes impossible. Number two, what happens when a child gets 14 or 15 years old and that resentment is building because you're continuing to do it because you won't fix it? What's happening? That child begins to push away. That child begins to reject the actions because he knows the actions are not biblical. He knows the actions are not correct. He knows the actions are emotionally damaging to him. And he already feels bad about himself. But you're just adding insult to injury when you tell him how fat he is or how pimply his face is because he eats earthly bars. Or, the little girl works on her weight, does everything she can. She's already catching it from the kids, and she comes home, and her daddy says something like, Listen to me, little piggy. You keep going to that refrigerator, I'm going to lock you up in it. I want to tell you something. That breeds resentment. And if you have ever in jest said that, you ought to just repent. And ask God to help you. Because why? Because they will begin to reject. Notice what he says in verse 28. And he was angry. He's out in the field. Now now I want you to listen to this. You ever thought about it? He's out in the field working with the hands. He hadn't even been told the boy's home. Not only that, he hadn't been told there's having kids or, or... Lamb for supper, or whatever they were, the cat. He hadn't even been told they was cooking. He comes in, in the evening, and noticed, and he was angry, and would not go in. And his father came out. Why was he angry? He had to ask a hired servant what was happening. This daddy was not a great fellow. Somebody needs to preach on him. He didn't even let the boy in the field know that his brother was home. He could have sent word. The boy had to come in and find it out from somebody that was working for his daddy. What does that tell you? It tells you that there was some resentment going on and there was some lack of communication going on in that household to the point now we got the word angry, which means rejection or a, a, a madness that pushes away. And that's what's happening in this story. He begins to reject. Now, this he can, he can come to church every service and reject. He can go to Sunday school every Sunday and reject. He can be a clean living kid and reject. He can wear dresses or she can wear dresses. He, he can. She can. <laughs> it's about like Steve had, had Jonah swallowed a whale this morning. I thought, dear God, what a man. But she can wear dresses. He can be clean cut. They can all look like fundamentalists with a big F. And the truth of the matter, he could be saying just as soon as I can get out of here. 
And how many times have we seen that happen here? When they looked good enough to be right, but as soon as they got free, they were gone. What was what was going on? A a rejection starts to take place. Now this this may not be a severe situation. This may not be this may not be an adamant verbal situation. But how many young people are there that has never heard their daddy say, "I'm sorry because of this resentment"? Our mother, for that uh, matter of fact, the resentment builds up, and then what does that child do? He starts protecting his emotions by pushing away because he doesn't like you stomping on his heart. And he'll start to reject. You listen closely if you have little children. If somebody had told me and helped me with this years ago, it would have helped me because I just thought they were mean as the devil. I just thought they were problematic. I just thought they needed the devil beat out of them. And you know why I thought that? Because that's how I came. That's how I came. And that's not always what it is. Little old fella's doing his best. He's trying his best to work with his problem. Little old girl's doing the best she can in school to try to just pass. And daddy mama's expecting more. And she, she already feels stupid enough about her work. And when the report card comes out, she has to be told she's stupid. That's going to make her love school, and it's going to really make her love you. When she finds out that she didn't measure up or he didn't measure up on a 11 and a half by whatever length that, that report. Let me say something to you. If your kid never knows algebra and loves you, and your kid never can speak the English language just like you wish they could, but they love you and you love them, and you can get them saved, and both of you love God, I want to tell you something. That's pretty good talk as far as I'm are you listening? And, and let me say something. Everybody is not going to be your A-plus student. And why do you want to be A-plus anyway? So everybody can talk about your smart, you can get you a bumper sticker. My child. I want one that says, my child raised the devil everywhere I took it. Amen. <laughs> But you, you're going to find out that if resentment's not fixed, they'll start going in that room and locking that door. They're about 15 or 16 years old now. And they start pushing back. Oh, they don't do it with their arms, and they don't do it with their hands, but they'll do it with their eyes. And they'll do it with their head. And they'll do it with their spirit. They'll... Reject. This boy is angry over what? He wasn't even told. And the resentment has not been fixed. There's nothing in that story where Daddy ever got it straightened out why the boy left. It's never mentioned in that. Let me ask you something. Do you want rejection to be absent from your situation and from your home and from your heart and from the rearing of your children? then don't let resentment breed because children come from resentment and their names are rejected. Don't let it happen. Don't do it. Come tonight and ask God to help you and you go home and sit down with your family and get it straight. This is a holiday season. You've got the perfect opportunity if you need to to sit down and to talk to them. Don't let them 
start rejecting it. Their grades will get bad here. They'll start picking up the wrong kind of friends. Because when they reject their authority, Satan will see to it that another one comes along. Here's where, uh, in, 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 in certain, certain circumstances and problems and difficulties, here's where right here, it, when the rejection starts, when they start pushing away from what condemns them, is when the devil will slide them a counterfeit and they'll think somebody really loves them and all he's got to say is, I, I love you. And all of a sudden, she gives herself to a predator. Or he gives himself to a homosexual situation because nobody cared anything about him at home. Notice, if you will, number three. Not only resentment. Now notice this thing moving along. A child when he's young. Well, one when he's old. Don't, don't care for it either. But especially when he's young. He needs that nurturing. He needs that encouragement. These boys come up here and hug on me during the handshaking time and these little old girls come up here and say, Preacher, how are you? And I hug on them and pat them on the head and tell them they're good kids and I, they, they, they may be robbing banks on Monday. I don't know what they're doing, but they're wonderful children and I appreciate them. And I'm glad that they love the preacher and they love the opportunity to say something to him. But what if I was to just go and get off of this platform? Don't come back up here again. This is our holy place. You say, that's stupid. How about your living room? How about your paper? How about your lounge? How about your TV control? It's not equal to the pool. They ought to come to you and want you to love them. And they ought to come to me and we both together let them know this is the house of God. The house of mercy. And your house is where you serve as high priest, sir, if you're a husband. And God will bless your union. And you and your wife together ought to pray and seek God to make sure that resentment does not breed rejection because it's in the rejection when the occult will get them. Let me say something. If you don't love them, somebody will. But that somebody will knock them up. That somebody will knock them out. And that somebody will knock them off before it's over. It's expensive not to love them and not to encourage them in their little old heart. Now, dust their britches when they need it. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me real close. They need a whole lot more loving then they need dusting. And if you'll try that, you'll probably do a whole lot less. And then, then notice, if you will, there's removal. A child is resentful because it's being pushed down and it's being neglected and it's being browbeaten verbally. Then what's the next thing it's going to do? It's going to reject that if it keeps getting it. It's going to make faces and it's going to make gestures with its head and, and its body language is going to make its mother and daddy mad before it's over and they're going to react again and there's going to be slapping and cussing and words said that God don't appreciate. I saw that in public yesterday. And then what's going to be the next thing is removal. That's when they go in and want to lock on their door and they shut it. And they're in there with their idols, their rock stars. They're in there with their CDs. 
They're in there with the rap. They're in there with the other athletes on the wall. And they're in there trying to find somebody who will just understand them a little bit. Instead of crushing them with rejection. And they'll remove themselves. Am I right about what I'm saying? They'll remove themselves into a situation where they're, uh, they're lonely. And listen close now. If yours are small, you've got the opportunity to grow up in a place where you can raise them right. Don't say mine aren't there yet because they will be in a little while. Here, they start punching holes in the navel. They start punching holes in the nose. You know why? Because the other people that do that don't stomp on them. They're accepted. You know why most of these kids go to these rock concerts and they, they let them pass them around like some kind of a, 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 a doll or, or some kind of a stack? Let them, just let them, I mean, I don't, what do they call it, a rave? Well, they just pass them around. I mean, it's got bodies moving around in the crowd on top of hands. Half the clothes getting tore off. You know why they go to those things? Because nobody talks about acne. Nobody talks about gay. Nobody talks about homosexual. Nobody talks about status quo. They're just all... And sad thing is, they got to find a ticket and buy that ticket and go there to find acceptance. And they have to get ready by getting their hair 18 different colors pulled through plugs to where they look like God only knows. <laughs> How many of you have ever been through the Atlanta airport? God knows they all live there. They live on Concourse B. Gate. 16, where all the flights from here go in. I mean, they're all there. I mean, they got that. They got the spiked hair. They got the trumped up uh, uh, high heels and the tight leather breeches. And then, hey, how you doing? You know. And I, you walk by, and you, you you wonder not who is it, what is it, what what happened to your hair? But if you look under that hair, you just find that process. And you may find this strange, but I love those people. I don't love the way they look and I don't love the way they act and I don't love what made them like that. But that could have been my kid. Could have been yours. It could have been his. And the, and, and the, and the, and the, the most important thing is is don't let them remove their heart from you. Boy, uh, who is the fellow from uh, Focus on the Family? Dobson's got a book, uh, or he, he was, I don't know if he wrote it, but he was pushing it a while back, Keeping Your Child on Your Team. Boy, he's got some good ideas in it. If you, if you ever get a chance to get that book and just skim through it, it's so, it's so outlined and pointed, you can see the dark print and make sure you get the gist of it just by basically thumbing through it. Keeping, the, keeping your children on your team. And that's exactly what we want to... The Scripture teaches us in verse 12. The younger of them said to his father, Father, 
give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided them unto his living. You know, I studied that. I heard one time in school, and Brother Timmy looked this up for me and verified it. I heard in school that the only way that a, that a, a Jewish inheritance could be given was if the father was dead. Now, that's what the law states in Judaism. Josephus mentions it in his book of his, uh, Jewish history. Why did this father give that boy that money when he wasn't dead? Here's, here's exactly what I found out about it, true or false. This, this probably is closer to the truth than we'll know. The boy treated his father and spoke to him as if he was dead. And he walked away as if there was a funeral had already gone on and he walked out and left his father behind as dead. And he got his inheritance by disowning his father. Why in the world would a boy want to do that to a daddy that didn't have some difficulty? Well, I say this. I think there were some problems that we didn't know. He just wanted a way from the situation because resentment and rejection had taken hold in that family. And now there's removal. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Make sure I'm not missing. Let, let me, let me uh, back up to three just a moment and let me ask you a question. Uh, if I came to church here with you and for a month, all I've done was gone up here and browbeat you for what you didn't do. Let, let's say tonight that this, this offering was off and it just ticked me and bothered me. And every service for a month, I came, I don't understand. Why in the world y'all can't do better than you did? This is God awful. And that's all I've done for a month. Don't ask yourself, how many of you would want to get out of here? Uh, now, uh, all of you raise your hand, please. All of you raise your hand. How many of y'all would like to... There you go. There you go. Now, let me ask you this. What ought to make your child want to stay at your house when that's all you do? See, nothing is tip for cat here. It's just how you want it. And we aren't going to put up to nobody jumping down our throat. Oh, but a 13-year-old will. At your church, high priest. You see? Now, I don't want to do that. I'm not built that way. If you want somebody to do that, hire you somebody. I can't do that. I don't think it's necessary. I think you can get a whole lot more done with honey than you can vinegar. <laughs> I think you can treat people right, and people will do right before it's over. And I think you can treat children right, and they'll do right. All right? You'll remove yourself if this becomes a brow-beaten pulpit. And rightfully so. I would pay your way. Here's the last one. Rebellion. Now, rebellion doesn't... Everybody says, Boy, I don't know what happened to that old boy overnight. He was a rebel. That's impossible. You do not become a rebel overnight. You develop into a rebel by the three stages above it. And it all starts with resentment. Watch this. Resentment, you can reach them. 
Rejection, you better hurry. Removal, you ain't going to touch him. And rebellion, you better get the Holy Ghost on him. If he ever becomes a rebel, he squandered his life. Look at what it says. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country and wasted. Say it with me. And wasted. Everybody say it. And wasted. A rebel will waste his life. And you know what? He'll waste many nights of yours crying, wondering where he's at. And about to die to know how he's doing. Give you this story and I quit. A fundamental preacher in a state not far from here was a friend of mine. I have preached in meetings with him. I have preached in his church. He was a hardcore fellow. He would stand in a grocery store if he seen a member of his church that looked different than how he preached they ought to look. He would stand there and absolutely boil over over their rebellion. He let it affect him. He let it eat him up. It stole his joy. He had two children, a girl and a boy. I, I know both of the children. The boy was right under his thumb. He, he tried to make him what he wanted him to be so that everybody would think he was a good dad. If you're just raising children trying to get everybody to think you're a good parent, you ought to think of the children and not the expectation of the neighborhood. 